Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwynn, and the Insider Crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35. And uh, I'm here at the table with Manny Albin, Damon Lowney, and of course, Robert. Thank you so much for being behind the scenes and making all this work. Um, man, we've got a lot to talk about, but really, I want to talk about Damon's mood. How are you, my friend? Oh, I thought I was in a bad mood because I got to get blood work done at 1245, which means I haven't been able to eat now for like 14 hours. Yeah. So I think my wife did it to me on purpose, but now that <laughs> I got distracted hangry? by Damon's problems. I know you don't seem hangry. Yeah, I mean, because... it's, it's a, not a huge problem or anything that, you know, can't be <laughs> gotten over. But, um, you know, four-month-old cat and cat needs surgery. And I'm just seeing the dollar signs right now. Uh, I'm seeing less autocross mods. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, that's... I think I hear a quake differential leaving the room. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, right? Or no, 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 no more guard. I'm going to the quake to yeah, save a yeah, bit yeah. of money. That's not. We've all been there, my friend. We yeah, had, we yeah. had a. Just remember, a cat has two eyes. It really needs one. Well, I mean, that's actually the question right now. Do you remove the eye, or do you try and fix it, knowing that I might have problems? I, I think glaucoma. So what's, the, what's the What's the name of the cat? Pierogi. Pierogi. Yeah. Well, you could just call it Patch now. <laughs> yeah, it could be Patch. She'd, uh, yeah, that would fit. We we had a but. Shih Tzu that uh, when we adopted it, it had like a heart symbol, meaning it has health issues. Yep. And we thought it. Yeah, well, we, Katie. They, 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 yeah, Katie. Yeah, and, and Katie was blind in one eye. So we thought. So of course we do all the adoption papers, and then we go for a health checkup. And I'm like, yeah, doctor, will she will she live a good life with you know just one eye? I hear dogs can adapt and stuff like that. And and the vet goes, um, yeah, no, Katie is blind in both eyes. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, she'll still be okay. And then, of course, we go to the 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 dog eye care facility, which really is like a printing machine because they yeah. said your dog can't see. Give it a couple of drops. You went to the to- dog eye care facility. Yes, yes. There's a eye <laughs> care facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog op- optometrist. Yeah, yes, it was a. Did dog- they have an eye chart? <laughs> Well, here's the thing is they just, they just kept taking my money for like, I think what was saline solution. And they're like, you have to use it every day and keep the eye moist. Yeah, I'm sure and, that was easy to do. Yeah. 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 So Katie did live a good five years. She was an elder yeah. dog when we adopted her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lived a good five years. And so yeah, yeah. I remember every once in a while, she'd be lumbering around the office. Yes. You know, once or twice every quarter. Or something. Running into things. Running into things. Yeah. Running into like things. Like a Roomba. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Only she can't see the stuff on the ground to eat it, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh well, not to make fun of your bad mood, but hopefully yeah, you, can, you can chuckle it's just, now that we yeah, talked about it's it. It's the dollar signs that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a cat. We just got her, and here okay, we go, my right? friend. So I see your <laughs> cat issue with uh, my daughter in a car accident issue, which is a oh, lot man. more to deal with. Yeah. Oh yeah. So last, uh, and it seems to be Manny. We've we've noticed a theme when we go out for pizza. My family calls me, and yes. there's there's a car accident going on. Anyways, Justine was T-boned by a guy in a Subaru, and uh, her car went from not having a single scratch or dent to a car that's probably totaled. Uh, thankfully, uh, she's fine, and and the passengers in in the car and the doggy that All was those in the car. fluffy pillows came out. Yes, four <laughs> airbags came out. Two doors are toast. Uh, the steering wheel's locked up. But I will I will give um gm and chevy their props the onstar system called 
um, called the police and I got all the texts that the traction control, because when it, when they hit her, it spun the car. So I got like mm. a traction control announcement. I got a battery is dying announcement. Wow. And so, yeah. So good news is, you know, the guy that hit her has insurance. Now here, here's for those of you, this is a PSA here. For those of you that have a college kid, 20 years old, um, and, and needs a rental car. You know, I think most of us know or believe that uh, you have to be 25 years old to rent a car. And when I called um, State Farm as well as USAA, they too said you need to be 25. And this is a problem because my daughter's in Salt Lake City. So long story short, I do a little search and um, uh, Hertz actually will rent to 20 year olds and um, they just have like a bit of a surcharge. However, here's how listening to PCA Insider is going to save you a couple of bucks. If you ever have this happen, if you have AAA, Hertz will rent to a 20-year-old, and you have AAA, they will waive that um, that extra fee. So it's now just a regular regular rental, and um, so now she's driving. Ironically, she's driving a SUV version of the car that she was in. She's driving a Buick encore which has the same steering wheel same gauge cluster and and all that stuff um and uh i said so what do you think of the the car that's pretty much yours but it's a little bit taller and uh, this is where i'm a proud dad she goes well it's okay but dad this automatic man it's so boring (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so now we're on a hunt for those of you that listening maybe you can help me find the right car for her um let's say about twenty five thousand dollars um manual needs to be a manual uh she has a 82 pound uh lab pit that needs to fit into it and she's because she lives in salt lake city she's requesting that it be four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive so if you have any suggestions i'm all ears what are you thinking manny no i'm just thinking that it's not really up to her it's up to you it's really car you want no i have to i have to. <laughs> she already told you what she wants i have to i have to disconnect it's it can't be a car that uh-huh. i want <laughs> the the chevy cruise was hers i mean it was her idea so because find a camry like mine was the sherry chevy cruise stereo modified yes okay. yeah gotta it was get, get so, the sub out so, right well yeah once when the car got towed to the tow yard i said you have to go grab the sub <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she, so she did. She went and grabbed the sub. Unfortunately, the amp was under the seat, so I wasn't going to make her disassemble that. So consider yeah. that a loss. And here's the crazy thing is, right now, we're still negotiating, but the value that they're going to pay out on her car, if it's deemed totaled, which I think it will be, will be more than the value of what we paid for the car. Nice. That's pretty yeah, cool. So values are still up there. Yeah, but then also cars are more expensive. Yeah. So. Anyways, it's where you got go and buy a, a car like my Camry, where it was probably twenty five thousand when it was new. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. Boo's but... put his daughter in a car like <laughs> well, her Camry. Well, that's the thing is, if she was local, there'd be a lot more options. I'd be willing to take yeah. more risks. But her buying, you know, her being all the way in Salt Lake, I need something that's completely reliable that she yeah. just needs to put gas in it and go. And yeah, it's got to be new with Apple CarPlay. And the the Cruise did exactly what I wanted. It it protected her and did the right thing. It's just. It's just a shame that it's now yeah. gone. Yeah. Poor car. Anyways, how about fun stuff uh, you guys did this weekend? Well, I'm we guessing. Went, we, I'm, we went to go see Jerry Seinfeld on Friday night. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. took the wives with us and uh, to Meyerhoff. Yep. Which is a um, very nice uh, uh, symphony hall. Uh, 
incredibly uh, complicated to figure out where to sit at. Not really. Yeah, we had to keep on asking people where. When we, went, we went because... to see Rage Against the Machine, we didn't need help. We made sense where we were going. <laughs> okay, so you, the, the reason we came back with the beers and we went into the wrong, <laughs> we went to the wrong box. Well, the reason being is because we are not fancy people and we don't often go to the Meyerhof. In fact, when I got there, you looked at me and I wore I was wearing jeans, and you're like, "You can't wear jeans to the Meyerhof." I'm like, "What?" You see some people the way they were dressed. They were dark jeans. Yes, but you can wear jeans to the Meyerhof. Nice jeans, and yeah, people were wear jeans to a fancy restaurant. That doesn't mean you're. uh... People were dressed up. Anyways, (laughs) um, I I wasn't even sure if we could drink while we watched and have popcorn. But they had a hot dog and a taco sales uh, truck right in front of the uh, Meyerhof. They did. They did. We figured people. So Jerry Seinfeld still has it, man. He he had us in stitches. and uh, Mario Joyner, who opened the act, I hadn't seen him for a while. He was pretty funny too. Yep. There was a couple uh, kind of kind of in front of us, and uh, Mario Joyner was going on about uh, uh, the fact he's not a father, and he's sixty years old. And the reason he's not a father is because he's been using condoms, and he's a big uh, believer. And he says when people say. You know, they break on you. He goes, you know how much it takes to break a condom? And he's talking about how people can put their whole leg inside of it. And he's going on and on. He's going, what kind of stuff are you doing that's breaking this condom? And everyone's laughing. And I noticed a couple in front of us. The guy's laughing, but the girl isn't is very stoic and straight-faced. I leaned over to my wife. I go, guarantee, first date, maybe last date. <laughs> yeah, there he was, kept on. He would burst out laughing, look at her, and then he would like stop laughing. Yeah, even oh, Jerry, boy. there was a couple times when he was talking about relationship jokes. He's like, at this point, do not look at your spouse or do not chuckle too loud. Because <laughs> he said, I, he goes, basically, in relationship, one of you is a uh, adopted pet. <laughs> and he goes, adopted pet in need or something yeah. like that. And he goes, and everyone, a good relationship, in a good relationship, uh, every, the, each partner thinks that. They, they married the adopted right, pet. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. They're there to save the pet. And he goes, that's good. He goes, if you both think that. He goes, don't look at each other because you're going to look at each other like, like knowing knowing feeling that, uh, yeah, I married the adoptive pet. Yeah, so he's got a he's, – he's all over the country. He was two shows on Friday. Then I think it was like heading to Michigan and then Arizona. He's he's on the road. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So I'm guessing you autocrossed. Damon. I did, yeah. Last autocross of the season, for me at least. Now the car goes up on jack stands? Yeah, pretty much. I've got a little bit of work to do, oil change. So this was up at Summit Point again. And, and this um, was Saturday? This was Saturday. Oh, and day. I was the third and last run group, so it had warmed up a little bit. It was like 60 degrees. Really, really, really tight autocross course in a couple areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be the toughest of the season, and... Um, memory serves me for Potomac. That was definitely the toughest autocross. Ah. Toughest as far as uh, trying to remember the course, or toughest. Uh, there was that challenge. I was course. lucky to get it on the first try, so I I didn't mess myself up for future runs. You can see there, box, I went yeah. a little bit deep. Yeah. Um, it's funny. This was my best run, you know. And I look at the my race box data for my next run, and I messed up early on, but I, I keep catching up more and more and more but just not enough to uh, go faster. So I see all the mistakes that I'm making, but overall it was a good run in my fastest. So how'd you do overall? Uh, seventh overall. Wow. Like 66 wow. people, and I was really happy with the time. Nice. So, yeah, Rafael 
Garces has a, I believe, a his boxer nine eight one GTS. That's like stock, and and yeah, it's stock. And I do not know, and I believe I, I didn't see his tires, but that Raphael, man is so fast. Raphael can drive. Like he yeah. was um, on Michelin PS four S's earlier on in the season and beat me by a little bit, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I, I wasn't thinking you could possibly go that quickly on PS4 S's when everyone else is running the super stickies, but Rafael's um, always been fast. Yeah, yeah. So he was my goal. I didn't beat him, so maybe next year. Yeah, I, he was fast when he was like in a BMW, and then he switched to driving. I don't know if he just drives the Boxster for PCA events, mm-hmm. but he's he's quick. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's always good to watch. Yeah, since you learn to work on your car watching YouTube videos, I wonder if that applies to the cat. Yeah, right? Yeah, well... I mean, you do have a lot of tools. Exacto knife. Uh, I'm sure I have some strings somewhere. Okay, I don't want any complaints from animal lovers, so... Yeah, yeah, just FYI. Over. No, I have Won't two, be doing I that. I have two cats. I'm a yeah. cat lover. Yeah. Yes. And we, I have a cat as well. Well, Manny and I, we uh, did our local car show. I know uh, it was a beautiful day on, on Saturday here in Maryland, and I bet you all the car, car cars uh, and uh, car meets in the area were, were packed uh, we landed at Mikey and Mel's, and it didn't disappoint. Just a whole host of everything that you could imagine under the sun in terms of exotics as well as hot rods. Um, but uh, something unique they had uh, for for uh, this closing event was they had a helicopter land, which was kind of cool, like a little... Two- uh, it's the world's tiniest helicopter I've ever seen. Yeah. The, yeah. the trainer, is it? It's a trainer, yeah. It's like a Robin 22 or something like that. I think I've, I've seen RC helicopters bigger than that. And the pilot also was oh, very yeah. small. So there it was, uh, landed at 7.30 before all the cars came, and uh, they just put two little wheels, and then they rolled it into a parking space, and... They let kids climb into it, so that's pretty cool. So when a helicopter lands, like, don't you need to like tell somebody, or did he clear it with? A... Oh yeah, oh yeah. So there were definitely lots of protocols in place for okay. it. Okay, so he didn't show up and just land a helicopter. No, probably the the, the biggest yeah. worry is uh, people calling in that it dropped out of the sky because like they yeah. don't expect it to, to land in land a shopping in, center. In the shopping center, yeah. so they have to let the police know, the fire department know. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they have to get proper authority. I think they. Yeah, you have to have written permission from the landowner, and I think you have to like log when you're landing and when you go up. Because I believe, um, I don't know if it was it was it someone was coming through the area like uh, in the afternoon, and they had to make sure that they didn't go up at mm. that time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, lots of costumes and and such. So it was a lot of fun. So what I re- I was trying to figure out was because uh, <clears throat> I came uh, to Mikey Mel's instead of going to my usual Hunt Valley Cars and Coffee. And I said, yeah, it's a vibe is completely different. And somebody said, uh, what do you like better? And I said, I like cars and coffee because it's just, it's a different vibe. Yeah. And, and so I went around and there's as much or maybe even more Porsches at this event than the normal uh, Hunt Valley cars and coffee. But I realized this isn't a cars and coffee. This is what they advertise. It's a cruise, mm-hmm. which uh, brings a whole different um, type of uh, car enthusiast mm. than maybe the cars and coffee cars and coffee is more chill um that you don't there's no um i mean it's the same thing every week yeah you know yeah. you just come park uh at hunt valley he gets like 400 cars you just walk around half the time you don't get uh at least we don't see uh 75 of the cars because we meet other people that we know and just sit there talking uh about the cars more social i think than the cars themselves um and uh the, the cruise type, I noticed, they're more, uh, 
the car show, like the three o'clock in the afternoon type cruise where um, we do this, uh, they do this near my house um, at the uh, Wegmans uh, shopping center. Um, it's the ones, uh, you know, the people who put the, uh, the kid, uh, stuffed kid in the, um, who's crying and they oh, lean him against on the, the bumper. bumper like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why hot rodders have the need to <laughs> put stuffed animals all over the car. I guess it's, I, I'm missing something, I guess, because I don't see it in the Porsche world. Uh, uh, but, um, that's what the difference was. And I thought yeah. this isn't a cars and coffee. Maybe that's why I don't like it as much as I do at uh, hunt Valley cars and coffee. Yeah, it's more more of a production. A lot of cars kind of cruise into it. Um, the hot rod crowd definitely has a lot. They of did display. seem well behaved. Just, I mean, I didn't. Oh see yeah, absolutely. Anybody doing anything stupid or? Uh, That's funny that you mentioned it. So last last night for about an hour, or so we have this uh, poke place. You know the raw tuna um, food. Anyways, it's 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 like cars and poke, but it, it starts from five p.m. to. Uh, 8 p.m. and it's a totally different crowd. I mean, I think that the average age drops by like 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got like high school kids and college kids and you know new new car owner, young enthusiasts. I, I think it's just because they can't wake up early, right? But there was this one guy who was a hot rodder, and he too had like uh, all his stuff, um, you know, in front of the car. And I was walking with uh, this kid was I think in college. And he goes, yeah, this must belong to an old guy. <laughs> and I'm like, why do you say that? He's like, yeah, old guys put like all this stuff around their cars. I'm like, oh, damn, I better not do that anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the sign. And- the, oh, yeah. The guy had like photos and the sign and like a little poster next to it. And yeah, the whole story. About the car. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, uh- yeah, I never looked at it that way. Like I looked at it as, oh, that's interesting to learn about the history of the car. But the, but. <laughs> No the, comment. The kid the, the kid, the kid, just you know, automatically assumed it was an old guy, and yep. he wasn't wrong. Yeah, the guy was old. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. So we um, did a couple of fun OMRs last week, right? Yeah, I got to drive a uh, uh, 1968 9/11 that's set up as uh, an R Group uh, 911R. So uh, uh, for those who don't know, the original 911R was a uh, super lightweight. I think it was 66, 67, maybe 67. Um, the European uh, way of doing the years always throws me off. Anyways, it was uh, made out made out of fiberglass, and they they save weight everywhere they could. And it's a very rare car, so if you ever see one, uh, you know, take a second look at it because you probably won't see it again. It's um, super uh, unusual to see them. I'm going to think 20-some maybe they made, I think. Um, yeah, it was somewhere around there. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, this was inspired by 911R. 911R had round he- taillights in the rear. That's an mm-hmm. easy way to spot, All right. uh, at least a replica of one of what they're trying to do. Um, but this was a uh, uh, this was Rob's and uh, not Rob Sass, but another Rob. And uh, it was a blast to drive. I gave it the highest rating for fun factor I've done to date. Oh. It was uh, geared very low. It, uh, I think I was doing about four thousand RPM at seventy-five miles an hour. Oh wow! <laughs> so you got you got to shift through all the gears quickly. Had a hundred and seventy-five horsepower, um, two point four in it, uh, with uh, eCam. So it uh, it was a screamer. It had so, fiberglass uh, and it had very it light loud. fiberglass, not the uh, heavier type. This is you can almost see through it. Um, wow! Deck lid, fenders, hood. So is that stuff like available to buy? Like you can buy fiberglass pieces for your car? Yeah, I don't think it's uh, original Porsche um, mm. 
Yeah, I'm sure he went aftermarket. And yeah, there are companies out there. I think GT Racing uh, mm-hmm. out west uh, sells a lot of uh, fiberglass parts that you know are made for people who want to make their car uh, look like this. So what about brakes and suspension and transmission on a car like that? It's still a 901, uh, but different gear set on it. Mm. Yeah. It still has a torsion bar suspension. Um, and that's a short wheelbase car? Short wheelbase, so. Yep. Yep, 68. 68, yeah. excuse me, yeah. 69 was when he extended the length. So it's a super light car. You can really, you can see how easy it is to get the car loose. Um, but if you know how to drive, you know you can bring it right back into place uh, mm. just as easy. Um, yeah, it was a, a beautiful weather. We got to, I actually got to, uh, more than a mile in it because we had to drive 40 minutes to the place we were going to film from the guy's house. We went to oh, his okay. house to pick it up. Yeah, the last minute thing. Yeah, and back again. And it was loud. It was super loud. I was talking to um, We went to a friend's party where there were a lot of Porsche people yesterday. And, and he said, what do you think of it? And I said, uh, it was fun. I said, but wow. I said, I didn't give it very good ratings for a, uh, Daily, daily driver, driver road trip because it was so loud. Yeah. yeah. He goes, well, you know, he takes it on those like California Targa Millies or Targa. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I'm like, and how, how, how far do you guys drive in a day? And he said, several hundred miles easy. Yeah. I was like, God Does he bless. wear earplugs or? Well, that's what uh, he said. He goes, I goes, he goes, I usually wear earplugs in my 914, he said, because his is super loud too. Uh huh. He goes, I don't know if they, uh, Rob and Brandy run uh, headphones or earplugs, but yeah. That was the loudest car I think we've done in. A one-mile review on. I got in a car. I'm like, is it as loud outside the car yeah, as it is it inside? Is. He's following me, and usually, you know, with the exhaust of a car following you, you can't hear it because it's pointed backwards. But I could hear it, you know, all the way up uh, into my golf with the windows closed. Now, I hear there was a little bit of a treasure hunt <laughs> as part of your one-mile review. Yes. Um, <laughs> we had a GoPro fall off, and um, we found it. So there's a little footage there. We'll see if we'll do anything with it. But... Uh, yeah, we're just gotta, sitting there gotta, in the middle of the road. You got to let it show the tumble. Yep, yep. We've got the tumble, and then we have it when I. It was still filming when I picked it up. So, so was it because it was on a fiberglass part, or no? It was um on the door, the which is it's a steel door, I believe. Um, I mean, I noted the metal felt like kind of thin, so I'm, I was thinking, do I do this or do I not? Because will it? Yeah, have we a asked good... him, and he said it was fine. He said yeah. fine, so I gave it a try, and um, you know, but I guess I, I think the metal was maybe a little bit too thin, just didn't have a good grip on it or, or something. But um, yeah, it fell off. GoPros, especially if they're in the cage, um, they will do fine. <laughs> we pulled. I pulled in. You know, we need a one mile review. You pull in, and you're still recording, and you, you shut the car off, and you talk. Give it the ratings. So as I'm talking, I can see Damon walking around the car looking, and I'm thinking, is he trying to tell me that my battery died on the cameras and I'm talking for no reason at all? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I finished, I opened the door, and I'm like, what's up? He goes, uh, we lost a GoPro. So that was like a good, what, five minutes? At minutes? least, yeah. So yeah, you, something like that. So it fell off somewhere in the, so down the road. I told him, I said, well, hop in, let's go look for it. And uh, yep, It fell off about halfway. He took the loop. He didn't turn around. Okay. So fell off after the film our normal turnaround point if we were going to oh, turn okay. around and so he came all the way around wow did the review and i came up because i'm like ah, do i say no i'm not going to say anything so i just turned off one of the gopros and just stood there probably threw him off his game a little bit yeah because i couldn't figure out <laughs> he's trying to tell me <laughs> yeah. something does he want me to stop uh talking yeah so but yeah so that's we, a good 15 20 minutes in the middle of the road yeah Wow. Sitting there in the middle of the road. And no one ran over it. No one ran over it, I don't think. Because it was right in the middle. So no one one picked it up. 
And luckily, luckily, if, had it ha- if he had it on the right side of the car, there's a good chance it would have bounced and went into like a ditch, yeah. and we would have never seen it. Right. Yeah. But right. here it was, right in the, sitting on the yellow nice. line, so we got very Equipment lucky. Equipment recovery a success. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Exactly. Wow. So... I'm uh, assuming that's... got an Omar, Omar done, too, on Saturday. Yeah, it went on Sunday, actually. So probably, um, like, a complete opposite of, I mean, your car, the the 68 was probably the most analog thing that you oh, could yeah. possibly have. And then you drive something that's the complete yeah, opposite. 2022 Panamera GTS Sport Turismo. And it Ooh. actually might be as loud, if not louder. Definitely louder because it had, like, the pops and bangs tune. So uh, it was one of those cars. So modified. It was modified. Um, it was... First off, fantastic car. Um, the main things are it had a engine tune and a PDK transmission tune for faster shifting, muffler delete, and a downpipe. Um, no mufflers at all. Yes, I guess. I, it didn't sound like it was mufflerless, but it, I don't know if there's a resonator in the middle, a resonator in the middle of or, or, or something. But yeah, the the rear mufflers and the and were removed and there was a downpipe and it was really loud and you put it in the sport or sport plus especially and it just pops and bangs you wow. know, when you're on the overrun well, now, what what did it, how did it get quicker shifts out of a pdk and it already seemed like lightning fast well it is lightning fast but you know porsche and now i'm the transmission tune it felt quicker it also felt harder i don't know if the shift action is actually much quicker or if it's there to give you that impression of getting like kicked in the back when you when you upshift uh-huh. i'm gonna assume it's faster um it's just a programming thing so huh. they it, probably it, slam the clutches in harder so or you have it on sport or sport plus yeah so in s- normal mode it's felt pretty much the same when you put it into sport plus you can really feel that the transmission tune has changed mm. and it'll you know i, I think of I've never driven one, but the Lamborghini Aventador didn't go with the dual clutch. They went with that semi-automatic manual so that when you shift uh, shift that car, it feels like a violent shove in the back. And they wanted that because right. it's more emotional. And I, that's what this the, feels they like. They don't change the, internally the clutches, though. It's all software. No, no, it's, it's all, all software. software. So so we'll see. He, he said an 800 horsepower as wow. it was dynoed at the wheels. Wow. Um, I'm willing to believe him. It was super quick, um, faster than the Turbo S that we drove or the Turbo SE Hybrid. Really fun car. And then the lowering module that basically you trick the car into thinking it's at the correct stock ride height when it's actually lowered a little bit on mm. air suspension. And it rode beautifully. And it's something I would do if I had a Panamera with the air suspension. Did you find it? So I've, I've driven a number of Panameras and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the lowest trim to a Turbo S. And um, I, I mean, it's probably for road tripping. If you didn't give it a 9 or 10, I'd be surprised. Maybe because this yeah, was Yeah, I gave modified. it an 8 and a half. I believe 8, 8 and a half, I think, for road trip. But so did you find high. the more you drive it? Well, you really only had a mile sale. So I've, I've had one for a couple of days. And, and I just find that the more you drive them, you kind of, the car seems to like shrink around you. Because mm-hmm. it's a, a Panamera is a, big car right but the more you drive it and you kind of learn where the blind spots are and the the the, the outer limits of the car like it gets like fun yeah. and nimble i mean yeah. panameras shrink in that sense yeah, yeah. the only yeah. time they really feel small is when you're in germany in the towns you mean when they seem big yes yeah, so excuse me yeah, when they seem big yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um other than that uh they're, they're, 
I have to admit the Taycan is like the perfect body and size. Mm-hmm. I, I wish to, maybe the new Panamera will be more of that size. Uh, but the back seats, there's no, um, you can't complain about the back seat. Right. It's incredible. I, th- I think the Panamera will always stay that size. It's the bigger <clears throat> saloon that's comfortable, yeah. like you said, in the, with the back seat. And the Taycan, yes, it's smaller and probably a, a nicer package to kind of whip around. But, you know, you don't have the same kind of, you know, seating comfort in the back. Yeah, no, it, it's a car that um, it didn't seem like 800 horsepower is too much for that platform, especially when you consider it's, you know, more than 4,500, I think it's 4,600 pound or something like that, the Panamera GTS. So, you know, 800 horsepower. That sounds crazy to me. A yeah. road-going car, family car with yeah. 800 horsepower. Yeah, but it, it was nice, and it's one of those things that I would have loved to have driven it more, but, um, you know, not this time around. It's a rental car though. It's a Toro rental. So it's a Toro. Oh, it's on Toro. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think the guy's name uh, Christians Garages LLC. If you're in this area, and he what, has a 2022. Did you to see what he charges per day? No, I haven't yet. That'll probably be in the uh, the final video. But as part of this, we didn't rent the car. Uh-huh. Um, he just asked if we wanted to drive it, and we said yes. And uh, you know, we'll give him and his business credit in the in the back. You know, special thanks to his. Yeah. Turo rental, but it's kind of cool that you can just go pay, you know, probably at least a couple hundred bucks for a day, and you you can probably just yeah, we're not, drive we're not it hundred miles, two hundred. Yeah. yeah, no, this was the guy personally reached out and asked us if we so, wanted to drive. So, it. could you guys do that? Because like I've I've rented from Turo before and have you know pretty good experience, and I see some, you know some of the people that I've met or talked on the phone through Turo, like they're young entrepreneurs and. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they get these cars specifically to rent them out. But then there's people that are just simply renting them out because it's their personal car to get additional income. Could yep. any of you do that? Uh, from a business standpoint, yes. Uh, my current uh, cars, no. I couldn't do it. Uh, I, but if I was going to, I see where people do this as a business. You know, yeah. they buy with the, mm-hmm. the intent purpose to rent these cars out. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I could not. Uh, I think Haggerty does something similar too, yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, no, I can't drive uh, share. I was nervous as heck just Damon driving my nine fourteen for a mile. Yeah, yeah. I, I let my <laughs> I let my dad borrow our Odyssey, which has cameras and all this stuff, and still comes home and there's a bump, there's a scratch on the bumper, and I'm like, oh, dad. Yeah. Now when I did a Toro, I did a Toro uh, at the Monterey Parade. I rented a nine nine six coupe and i got the full insurance which at the time i don't, I don't know what it is now i haven't done tour in a while but it was fairly inexpensive to get mm-hmm. the full 100 percent no deductible insurance yeah. and the a- aos the air oil separator went up oh right right i remember and, that and um so when i parked that told a guy and I, I guess he thought i didn't know what i was talking about because he called me up and he said something wrong with the car it's smoking i said yeah. i know i said i told you i think the air oil separator went up on you yeah. i said but um so you He's like, well, you got to pay for it. And I said, well, I said, I have insurance yeah. with Toro, so take it up with Toro. Yeah. And I yeah. already told them that uh, you may be calling them. Yeah. And it's the last I heard. It was all taken care, care of. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. All right. So before we get into the news, I do want to ask if you're enjoying the podcast and uh, please give us a like on whatever platform. Uh, feel free to comment. We enjoy reading your comments. And of course, subscribe. We are tracking pretty well. I was looking at. Um, the charts and how, um, you know, when we first started, it was interesting when we first started the podcast, it's a, we're almost to a year, uh, uh, last December, 
like when we first dropped our seven initial podcasts, we were like right at the top, like maybe because we dropped so many. Um, we're new. And I think anytime it's new, it always uh, moves. And then we were doing what, like every two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you would see kind of, we would be in the, for the automotive podcast area, we would be in, you know, anywhere between 25 to 50 in the automotive in the U.S. and and even higher in Canada. But because we were doing it every two weeks, by the second week, it would drop and dip. But now we're really consistent across the top, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We're still in the top five in Czech Republic. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. Thank you for listening, Czech Republic. Um, yeah. So, anyways, let's get into the news uh, first on the line is uh, Porsche profits soar. Yes, this is right on the heels of uh, of the uh, you know, IPO and the stock. So they're starting the uh, the year off right, I guess you could say, with the uh, new um, new IPO. That uh, uh, they're still at a high profit margin, highest, uh, and they're still the most profitable car company in the world. And uh, like Damon and I were speaking about it prior to the podcast. Basically, they're saying that uh, Porsche people will be more than happy to absorb any uh, increases due to the inflation or cost of uh, materials or whatnot. It's um, seems like a pretty brazen thing to say, but I mean, <laughs> I it's say, true. Yeah, it's true. Just yeah. make them. We'll buy them. Yeah, uh, we've been saying it for a while. Everything yeah. they they come out with, they uh, sell out. You know, before, yeah. usually before and with a markup. So yeah, it's. Um, it makes it's, sense from a business crazy. standpoint, for sure. Here's the funny thing is I, I, you know, I talked to my mom quite a bit the other day. She's like, honey, what's going on with Porsche? Like, why don't you, you, you know, why doesn't Porsche advertise more? Like, I think they could get more, more, more customers and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, mom, you do realize they sell pretty much every single car that they make. She's like, they do? I'm like, yeah, in fact, there's like usually a waiting line. So... And then she goes, yeah, if that was the case, I wouldn't advertise as much either. (laughs) I mean, not that they don't advertise, but compared to other automakers that will have, you know, advertising and we we see more Porsche design and sort of different branches of of Porsche um, advertising with BCA. Yeah, you're right. Like Marked, which is owned by Porsche, the Mm -hmm. online auction. You see a lot of that. Yeah. And they did the Super Bowl commercial, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a lot of money and uh, um, was pretty much a surprise to a lot of people that cause Porsche hadn't done a Super Bowl commercial in a while. But yeah, they're they're. Um, it's it, I think it's a golden era of right now with Porsche because anything any event if they feature Porsche as a featured mark, it's a guaranteed home run. Yeah. And Steve Earle, who used to do the Monterey Historics before um, he passed away and left it, uh, he used to. Um, he used to uh, always say Ferrari and Porsche were guaranteed like sellouts mm. if you featured those marks, and and I think it's very true right right now. That may change in the future, um, but uh, you know, and I've heard this in other podcasts about some of the auto other uh, auto manufacturers, um, and it was surprising that not I want to uh, crap on them, but uh, BMW was the one that they brought up. That doesn't have the same pull as it did at one time, mm-hmm. and I and I, I was thinking about it on the way in. And I thought, uh, you know, I remember when I was in my late twenties, I bought a new BMW 325i, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I was following the trend. I was thinking, okay, I'll keep this for a couple of years, and then I'll look at an M3 because mm-hmm. they were coming out with that. But um, you know, I, I, it came to a point where I had to make a decision: is it Porsche or BMW? I'm going to spend my money on, and I chose Porsche. 
but now I don't even look at BMWs. Yeah, I feel as though uh, you know I, I'm a I'm a BMW CCA member and longtime BMW enthusiast and um, drive BMWs. But as far as their current lineup, I just feel like it's so diluted, right? And the people that buy them, yeah, the M cars, totally. Those people are enthusiasts, diehards. The people that drive more of the classic BMWs, yes, they're diehards. But I get like all the 1 Series, 2 Series, 3 Series. I can't even keep up. 3 Series, 4 Series, 5 Series, 6 Series, 7 Series, and the 20 variants that each of them have. They're nice cars. Um, I'm not so so, uh, sold on the huge, like, beaver teeth grill that they have oh yeah everything bmw makes is um it's an m model they're i I love m models but Mm -hmm. they're all very heavy Mm -hmm. and large cars compared to what they used to it doesn't seem like bmw offers something except for maybe the z4 you know that's a a smaller and the z4 is still actually a pretty heavy car yeah gotta remember yeah meanwhile porsche's you know boxster still is roughly 3,000 pounds or something, which isn't all that heavy. Um, I don't know. I, I like the lightweight mid-engine. doesn't have to be mid-engine, but lightweight sports car formula. You know, and BMW just doesn't seem to have that anymore. Yeah, but I, I, what I will give it to BMW as far as having one car that can kind of almost do it all, especially if you mm-hmm. get like a four-door uh, M you know m car like it's fast it's mm-hmm. capable handling it, you can put four people comfortably in it yeah you know the, again those pe- the people that are buying those cars yeah they're like cut from the same cloth as us as far as enthusiasts but there's so many other non-enthusiast driving bmws that i think it just dilutes the brand i i, I haven't really looked into it but i like to I'd be interested to see what they view as their competition or what their customers what else what a potential BMW customer is also looking at mm-hmm. uh, instead of the BMW. You know, we know with Porsche, they uh, they compete with BMW to a certain degree, Mercedes. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what BMW is because I, I get excited by looking to see what uh, the Japanese are coming out with right. as far as hot hatchbacks yeah, go. Right. And well, that's, that's, for the buck. that's where I was going to go with this. Like back in the 80s and 90s, you know, the, the separation of good cars and great cars was like pretty big separation, right? Like, let's say like a a Supra from the <laughs> '80s or '90s. Like they were good, but compared to an '80s or '90s Porsche, that's a big gap. But mm-hmm. now today, the the world is smaller, right? And they're learning from each other. And these cars from the Japanese or e- even the Koreans or Italians, like that gap is much smaller. So thankfully, Porsche. You know they, they're they're so well differentiated and they're so true to their heritage. Like that that gap or the understanding of that gap is significant. But to all the other car manufacturers, if you're not loyal, it's kind of a toss up. Like oh, I can get the car today, the price point. I can get into a Lexus. I can get into a, you know. It's like yeah. it's it's a it's a tough one. Yeah. And you get to an autocross for Dame, like Damon Autocross SCCA. And it's uh, amazing to see these, uh, once again, hot little inexpensive hatchbacks mm-hmm. that are just uh, clobbering Porsches. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to watch to see, you know, hey, you can get a lot of bang for your buck if you're looking for a daily driver um, that, uh, you know, obviously handles pretty darn well. Yep. And, and if you uh, know what you're doing. Yep. You can make anything handle well, I think. Yeah. 
That's for sure. Let me let you drive my Suburban, and you may uh, <laughs> <laughs> the iceberg with the steering wheel. Yeah. So uh, making things better, making things more crazy. How about the next news item? Uh, Porsche taking the Taycan to kind of a different level. Yeah, this was actually last week's, but we didn't get around to talking about it, and I thought it was uh, worth a mention. Yeah. Uh, so they're going for the uh, tri-motor, which is the two rear motors and one front. Uh, Tesla's done this with the Plaid. So uh, obviously Porsche's uh, going to be looking at doing the same thing, which is even more power. If you've driven a Taycan, you know, everyone's blown away by the power on it. So uh, a tri-power is just going to be... So does that mean one motor is dedicated to one rear wheel? I believe so, yeah. Yep. Wow. And this has, uh, you can see the aero package uh, if you're watching the YouTube version of our podcast. How how much is too fast? This is this is still the spy photo. Well, we got to remember the Taycan at the Nurburgring isn't all that quick, you know, compared to all types of cars. You know, for an electric car, it's super quick. Wow. But um, but they no Tesla has still beaten them with with their with their Plaid. Porsche doesn't just. But the acceleration is already like ridiculous, zero to sixty in like two point eight or something like that. Did Tesla beat them or? I'm because, pretty sure that the because the, I know there was a lot of controversy on which plaid, version they were using. Yeah, well, I'm sure the the plaid did beat the Taycan. What about know, the Taycan that had the uh, German only some package to it uh, uh, earlier yeah. this this summer, and it beat the Tesla plaid? I it had. Don't the, remember. Uh, that. I forgot to remember the name. It was mm-hmm. just. It was. Uh, we had in our news. I have to look. Go back. Go back. Oh, I yeah. thought. Uh, I thought the Taycan still holds a record because they. Um, Oh, this is something we should probably look up right now. You two have laptops, and you're asking yeah. each other these questions. Well, I want to make it make it look like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I thought uh, it was it was some package. It was only available in uh, in Germany. Mm. On, so the, the plaid was seven minutes and thirty point nine seconds. And and which because I remember when that came out, there was some controversy as to it wasn't a production plaid. Seven minutes thirty three seconds for the. Uh, Tycon Turbo S. Yeah, did it say a, a? It had a package on it. It was a. It was a redesign, or <clears throat> it, it was. I don't want to just talk uh, based on my my memory because that might be somewhat wrong. But I'm I'm pretty sure that they, it was a stock or pre-production powertrain or something, and they had. But it was just, nice it, tires. So it'll be interesting to see what they call this yeah. new mm-hmm. version. Will it have a GT moniker? I'd be surprised if it did. Be pretty cool if it did, but uh, will it have a GT or uh, you know, will they call it another uh, package or hmm. power kit or something along those lines? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Find I, out. I can't see anything about the modifications that they might have done. Um, and, I remember something, but I, I, I mean. Let, let's just say the Model S Plaid beat the Taycan, and Porsche is going to try and beat them by a lot more. The race is on. That's kind I, of what I'm, I'm pretty thinking. sure the Taycan's still. Uh, I, I swore. Those of it. you that are listening, if you're in the know more so than my two colleagues here, please let us know and yep. set the record straight. Because there's so there's always controversy when uh, Tesla does it because they're supposedly not using production cars, mm. or Porsche did, and I don't know. It was. Uh, so speaking of modifications, uh, Manny and I are getting ready to board an airplane and head to Las Vegas for uh, three days of SEMA. SEMA, and where we'll put probably twenty thousand steps a day, at least. At least finding out the latest uh, equipment for 
you know, all vehicles, but really with the focus of uh, Porsche and uh, seeking out some probably insane builds uh, for 2022 that we will invite to Unstock. Yeah, last year we saw a lot of uh, a lot of stuff with about um, paint protection film, uh, carbon and graphene uh, coating on the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should be interesting to see what. Uh, it'll be two things I'll be looking for. Is it uh, bigger than last year? Because last year you guys told me that it was actually smaller. It was than years prior. Yep. So has it gotten any more popular as far as vendors, or has it gotten less? I think. I think last year wasn't wasn't a, a function of is it popular, but last year the function was a lot of um, out of country uh, vendors. It was very difficult for them to come to the U.S. And then also a lot of manufacturers were suffering from severe budget cuts. So my guess is this year is going to be probably close to back to norm. I mean, I think everyone's still having supply chain issues. You've heard that a million times, but you know they they want to. This is a bit. This is actually a B two B conference. You know the 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 regular except for Friday is open to the public right, and coming right. on Friday. Most of the business on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Not most. All the business on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is B two B, and so these manufacturers are coming out to invest in meeting with their business partners. And I've got to imagine now that things are kind of on the upswing, they really need to make sure to be there and uh, educate their distributors and such on all the new products. It's uh, hopefully it's it's as big as um, it used to be. I, I think, think so. We see this with auto shows, like uh, the um, LA Auto Show's gone now to one media day before it was two media days. Yeah. That's know. that's you know what that's and, that's and, an interesting point. That's and people have been talking about how manufacturers now are going for the whole uh, uh event experience and they're doing things at the Quail, they're doing things at uh, yeah. mm-hmm. at Amelia Island, that's where they're doing their debut they did it at the Porsche Parade. Yeah. They debuted the America um, Cabriolet. So it's because uh, you can see the cars running. You can see the cars yeah. moving uh versus a uh, static car show. So yeah, I mean, I think the model, man, I, I can't tell you how much, like, as a kid, I was so excited when, like, the DC auto show was coming around or the auto show in Baltimore or even the New York auto show. Like, that was where you went to find out the latest model, latest and greatest. But look at what we what we have at, at our hands today. You, If the manufacturer wants you to learn about something, you can learn about it within seconds. They'll yeah. pop it into your feed or... Um, it's on the internet. So, so why do you go to an auto show anymore? I mean, is yeah. it to sit in the cars and there's, there's so many different models. Like really is the auto show going to have the model that you want to sit in? And some of these auto shows don't even allow you to sit in the cars. Yeah. And it's a huge investment for the dealers and the manufacturers. And so I wonder how much longer, um, you know, the, these kind of auto shows will, continue to exist yeah we should say that the uh la auto show it's the press days that have been cut down over the years yeah. from more than Media one to days. just one yeah um so it'll still be around for you know everybody else but yeah. um i yeah i mean when you think about it with uh, all the social media uh which would include youtube and you know everything online automakers really don't need 
journalists to present the information as much as they might have. In yeah, the past. I mean, so I think it's cost is a big one of the yeah. biggest things. And then yeah, you couple cost in with that as well. Very expensive to do like the New York Auto Show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Detroit, I remember was uh, Porsche telling me how expensive it was versus what they thought was a return on investment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, now they can do it, like I said, at an event. Yeah, at a fraction of the cost. And, and reach as many people because of Damon articulated or so much social media, you know, that's the information well, is out immediately. You know? So social media is very trackable, very easy to understand, you know, the dollar that you spent, how many eyeballs got to see it. Mm-hmm. And the reach is amazing worldwide. Yep. When you choose a particular show to go to, I'm sure there are metrics that you can, you know, that are reported on. But man, that's tough competition of a physical show with bodies coming to see it. Um, for the people that do go, I'm sure it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but as far as reach and eyeballs, man, it's tough to compete with a social media campaign. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, let's see. Want to kind of update. Uh, you talked about Monterey earlier. Are there any d- updates on, on Rensport you want to share? Uh, well, we participated in the call, and I can tell you that um, I believe there's there, so all the hospitality they said was sold out. Yeah, uh, VIP type of hospitality. Um, they're looking how to uh, accommodate more hospitality because everyone, uh, including the uh, folks from Germany, uh, Porsche Germany, are looking for hospitality that yeah. they can entertain uh, some VIPs and. Uh, Good luck to Laguna and yeah. trying to find space because yeah. it's uh, only a, a finite amount of space they have there. And same thing with uh, parking areas. They are, um, yeah, it's it, it's a puzzle piece that uh, they're very limited with uh, how much space on this board they can put uh, cars. And um, I think uh, even you asked about club racing in the paddock area, and uh, that's going to be tight. So there isn't going to be a... Uh, a lot of room to lay out and make a uh, McMansion of your uh, parking area, like you're maybe used to at some club races. Yep. It's gonna. It reminds me of uh, during the heyday of SCCA. Uh, I would walk around the paddock at some point and say, "Oh my God, they put like six cars in the space. We put one car uh-huh. because <laughs> you know we take so much room with uh, easy ups and chairs, and you put the grill and this and that. And I, that's not going to happen at Laguna. It's going to yeah. be very tight. But it's indicative of. The popularity of this event, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, almost a year out and things are already sold out and people are clamoring for, you know, more possibilities to host people. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait. A year can't come fast enough. I know we've got a lot of stuff to prepare for. But um, again, if you're listening, if you're considering uh, going to Rensport Reunion next year, there's nothing to consider. If you if you have the means and you can take the time off, just do it. Just do it because nothing is guaranteed. You don't. You that, don't want to be. You don't want to be a group like I was at the first Red Sport, where afterwards you heard everyone talking about <laughs> oh, yeah. it and how they went, or you saw the picture. That was before social media was popular. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that year I heard about this Red Sport Union thing. I didn't go to it. It was just at Lime Rock, and uh, yeah. Now that you know, it's going to be. Uh, yep. We were memorable. We've told you, and can't blame us if you don't go. Um, let's go into our upcoming events. Um, a little bit of sad news, a a tear in my eye that has to do with, uh, tech tactics West. Yeah. We knew this coming in. We were behind the scenes trying to find, uh, our original location where we've done it, uh, for the past couple of them. Um, 
fell through yep. uh, because the dates weren't relayed or something. Um, anyways, uh, we were looking at alternatives so we could still hold the event, and it just didn't, uh, just didn't work out. Yeah, and it got to the point where it's like, do we want to do it well and still, you know, and, and consider an alternative location? But we felt like we couldn't do 100% of uh of a tech tactics with these locations that were presented to us so with uh with the tier i i am announcing and letting you know that tech tactics west will not happen this year but we are already uh working on tech tactics east so for those of you um in and around uh eastern uh, pennsylvania uh we'll keep you posted on that but we are working on that um Happier news is uh, Unstock is sold out. We are looking forward to hosting probably thousands of people uh, coming to the event. We've got some amazing cars. Can we um, can we like tease them with like maybe one of the cool cars that's coming? Sure. Yeah. W- what do you want to tease with? I'll oh. let you choose. <laughs> you you got to. I mean, Manny pretty much. Oh, for me, the cool hand, 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 hand one's going to see is the zero zero one. The uh, roof yellow bird. Yes. Uh, as Damon yeah. and I were talking about, this is not the one. This the prototype is, ran about the Nuburgring. It's not a yellow bird. It is a CTR. Well, technically, CTR, they call it. The owner calls it yellow bird. <laughs> Who am I to argue? Yep. Yep. Right. You you walk up to him and you tell him that yes, it's not a yellow yes. bird. So, so you know how you can tell a yellow bird from a CTR? How's that? The NACA ducks in yeah. front of the rear wheel wells are on the yellow bird, and that's because it's a prototype. Oh. So the CTR production car, which will be at the show, will not have those NECA ducks. Yeah. But it looks like a yellow bird. It's yeah. basically what it is. I love the iconic, it was actually restored. iconic no roof way. wheels. Yeah. And I had a chance to buy a that set of That will not be at Unstock. That's a current RS1. The RS1. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to be at So, so I, a couple of years ago, well, probably more than a decade ago, um, I had an opportunity to buy a set of roof wheels for my my uh, turbo look. I love that look, but my car, mine's an M491 turbo look, so I have a normally aspirated, you know, 215, 220 horsepower motor, and I had found out that the wheels, the roof wheels are actually very heavy. I was going to say, they're not light wheels. They're not light <laughs> wheels, but they they made them that way for, I think, stability for the Yellowbird, so I passed on them, but man, do they look good. Yeah. Yeah. They're one of the best looking. Anyway, that, that'll made. be pretty cool to for uh, to see. Uh, That's awesome. It, 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 That's like the OG. Peterson. It's, that is the uh, OG Unstock car. Yes, yeah. exactly what. Uh, I mean the uh, the fact that they shaved off the uh, rain gutters. They were completely uh, back then looking for every possible. Uh, That's a new yellow to, bird. Uh, Actually, or a new, new CTR, I should yeah, say. CTR, yeah. That's not the one that's coming to the show. Looks like an old car, but that yeah. is a uh, brand new with yeah. carbon fiber and everything. But it, it's, it's pretty cool, the, uh, the original uh, production Yellowbird. Yeah. So those of you that have signed up for the LA Auto Show member preview, you'll get to see Manny. Unfortunately, I won't be there because I will be heading back to Maryland for my brother's wedding. But 290 of you... We'll go through sold the Sold out, I think, in uh, 36 hours. Yeah. It was sold out. Uh... And that was good because I was worried it was going to sell out quicker because that's when you get the, you know, the, the calls and complaints. So for it to, to sell out within 24, 36 hours, like, that was, to me, the right rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Yep, agreed. All right. We also, um, by this time, 
well, it's already up right now, the 997.2 Buyer's Guide. That was a Tech Tactics Live with Nathan Mers. Yes, and it's, uh, obviously anything with Nathan we do is always popular. He's very uh, uh, very knowledgeable about the like uh, cars. Porsche Encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah and uh, this was this is very focused on the second generation of the 997, the .2s, and we didn't do GT3s or turbos. These were the... Uh, for the S, the uh, GTS, the base model, special editions. Um, Diane Sullenberger, P- Potomac uh, Region President, volunteered her car that she tracks, uh, bring to the garage. And uh, yeah, yes. it seemed to be a very uh, well received um, uh, Tech Tactics Live. A lot of, lot of uh, talk on the, uh, on the uh, live chat, uh, people asking questions. And uh, yeah, we could have Nathan on for two hours. And, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, actually, we just listened to an hour and a half uh, uh, video coming out uh, in the near future about the nine nine six turbo. Mm. Yeah, hour and a half. Previewed that, and uh, you think an hour and a half, but uh, uh, if you want to know two sittings to watch it, but I watched the whole thing; it was really fascinating. Yeah, if you want to know everything, then we can't cut anything. So you know, and I think people want to know. I mean, most minute details sure. of the different models and what mm-hmm. they go to the naked eye it looks like they didn't change anything during the whole run of the uh, mm-hmm. 996 turbos and uh and to a certain point it's true but if you want to know what they actually change uh, nathan details it mm-hmm. and uh it's it's evergreen material and i think people yeah. will That's refer why to it with the buyer's guides uh i know there's some comments saying how come you didn't discuss price i wanted to hear pricing um we have different shows that we do market updates uh but for these kind of shows we want evergreen we want people yep. five years from now to look at the video and it's so relevant uh you know it's not relevant of the guy who's talking about the cars is telling you you can buy it for fifty thousand dollars those days of 996 turbos were a long time ago mm-hmm. uh, but they will tell you what to look for when you're buying a 996 turbo because that doesn't change yep. um, so just look for the market uh, this, uh shows when we'll talk about you know what's going on with the market and what's going up what's going down yeah, yeah. so speaking of looking for um, we wanted to have a 997.2 in the garage while we were filming. Turned out that's not a very easy task. Like, I had to hunt around to find a 997.2. <clears throat> They're not super yeah, common. Nathan explained why, uh, which it made sense when he said it. Uh, 08, when the economy collapses because of the housing crisis. Uh, so from 08, 09, 10, 11, they were still recovering from the housing crisis. And so Porsche's sales went down. And they didn't just they didn't sell as many as they did uh, to the prior generation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and what what struck home I remember he was, uh, Nathan was talking about how he turned down the GTS uh, I think 2011 GTS 997 thirty thousand dollars off sticker. Oh yeah, and I remember my brother yeah. bought a 2011 S, um, and he basically went to the dealer and said. Uh, it was a black on black manual, mm-hmm. so you would think that would be an easy sell. It sat on the dealer floor, and he told him, "He said, if you haven't sold this, if you really want to sell it, here's my price. Yeah, give me a call." And I think on December thirty first, they called him and said, uh, "If you so want it, we'll sell it to you at that price." Do you think it was wow. because of black on black, or do you think it was because it was a manual? I don't know. It could have been the economy. Yeah, um, it could have been because the nine nine one was coming out, and uh... people were waiting for that. Um, but yeah, now you look back at it, you're like, you're like, oh my god! Uh, you know, wow, well, man, if we took a <laughs> took a look back of the cars that we could have bought, there's so many. We should well, do a show on things that we missed out on. Oh, we were talking yeah, about right. at the party I went to uh, when I uh, was Steve Postal, the GM for uh, Porsche Towson, and we were talking about how people 
people's memories tend to fade or they, they think that uh, when the 918 came out or the Carrera GT, they were automatic sellouts. And they weren't. Yeah, they were not. They were. Um, they took a lot from uh, 918. Porsche spent a lot of money marketing this car, hiring people to um, try to sell it uh, to the people who could afford these cars. And they were very nervous they wouldn't be able to sell their production run. And he, he said, he goes, he remembers when he first started, there was a GT3 that sat on the showroom floor for nine months oh. at sticker, <laughs> oh. and he could not sell it. He goes, think about that today. That's laughable yeah. today. Yeah. But uh, back then, he said, you know, they just sat on the floor. They couldn't sell them. So it is a golden era for Porsche. It won't last forever, but at least right now, they're doing pretty good. Yeah. So I saw you, uh, you drove a 996 Turbo S. Yeah, that was Scotty's. Um, uh, yes, this would be good, good, good response. That was the um, last run of the 996 Turbo. A lot of people think 05, they think of it as 997, which is true. But for the Turbo, uh, Porsche still made the 996 Turbo. They wouldn't come out with a uh, 997 till 07, I think, right? And what kind of horsepower is in it? Uh, that one was 444. That's plenty of go. Yeah. Yep. It's. Um, I, it's it had the um, aftermarket shifter. Two things that I wasn't I maybe had to get used to. Yeah. Because in the video I said it must have a short shifter or something because it's very notchy. Ah, uh, yeah, you're. And I'm convinced that I can't. I, I have never found a short shifter I liked. That was aftermarket. Yeah. Uh, maybe once again, it may take time to get used to it. Um, that and he uh, had a, a GT3 clutch put in. Hmm. GT2, I can't remember. Yeah, it was. But GT2 it didn't have the and... same feel. That I'm used to in uh, Porsche Clutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I'm sure the owner is used to it, right? Uh, but just like I always like Porsches because I can get in any Porsche, like everything from Rob '68 to a brand new one, and the pedal feel is always the same. Mm. Like the travel, I, there's no getting used to it. Like I've talked about this before, but like my mother-in-law Chevy, I've driven that a hundred times. Every time I come out of my cul-de-sac, <laughs> I hit the brake and my <laughs> head almost hits the windshield because <laughs> it's so, so overboosted so, every time. Yeah, and, so sensitive. Uh, but this, um, other than getting used to the shifter and the clutch, it was a, a dream to drive. How was the suspension? Was it stock or? I think it. Pretty uh, sure it was stock. It was. If anything, it just would have been Molly, Molly. Yeah. Uh, because a lot, a lot of turbos, I don't know about Turbo S, but a lot of 996 turbo suspension to me, and I've said this before, it's like that they, they have a really high ride height and they seem to be a bit floaty. The, uh, he was, uh, you know, Scott was asking me, if I, if, should he get it uh, flashed for more power? Oh. And I said, you know, me personally, I said 444 horsepower is a lot of power. And yeah. I've driven 996 turbos with six, 700 horsepower and, and you know, after a while, you you do the uh, quick runs down the road in a straight line. Yeah. But if you're not taking on the track, I really think the stock horsepower should be more than. Uh, my my concern is when you, you know, do stuff like that to create m- more horsepower. You know, what are you doing in terms of longevity and possibly creating more wear and tear in the car? Like, is it worth it? Is it worth the trade off? Like, sometimes people don't care. Mm-hmm. They just want u- ultimate power. I get it. But man, I, think I, I keep cars. I keep cars forever, so I want it to last as long. I as think possible. they're misled a lot of times from your manufacturer claims or stuff they read in the media that it doesn't affect longevity, that it's easy, and they, and uh, you know if it was easy, reliable horsepower, yeah. Porsche would do it themselves. If that's easy. Uh, I hear this maybe. a lot with Macans. Yeah. People <laughs> say uh, 
you yeah. know, um, you can get an easy 100 and some horsepower out of Macan, but yeah. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge you can do a light tune on something like a 996 yeah. turbo and it'll be fine. Now, are we talking, will that engine get to 150,000 miles versus 200 before it needs to rebuild? And in that yeah. case, maybe it's worth it for certain people. And, and one thing so. is you do the tune, but then how do you drive it, right? Like some yeah. people that's got some people that have a heavy foot, they'll kill a car regardless of yeah. what tune it has on it. And then there's other people that just occasionally take advantage of the power and yeah yeah just remember this when your cat has a modified eye <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> right and it's we're back it. to the beginning <laughs> yep yep all right guys we are at the top of the hour uh unless you have anything else i'm just gonna thank everyone for listening if you aren't currently a pca member and own a porsche grab that vin go to pca.org and come on board we'd love to have you um, as a member, if you don't own a Porsche yet, we have the test drive program, which uh, will help you find uh, your 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 ride of choice. And of course, remember to follow the podcast Instagram page, all the behind scenes photos and videos, Porsche Club Insider, all one word. You can also send us an email at podcast at PCA.org. And remember to comment on uh, either the YouTube or whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on and uh, we really appreciate it and help keep us, uh, keep us going here. So until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.